Hey everybody, it's me, the champ. Ever since I've been the champ, been losing it, been out of my mind, been crazy. Oh yeah, Daddy Saturday, 23 in front of 9 o'clock, Brother Jake Stewie, Raw Radio. The 1050 Chum Morning Show. A miracle comic, is that Starring Yo. Jerry Forbes as himself. If you're funny, it's, it's a miracle. A miracle. <laughs> Good morning, I'm Jerry Forbes. I'm two inches tall and live inside your radio. You'd be hard-pressed to find two more recognizable Canadian rock radio personalities than Brother Jake Edwards and Jerry Forbes. Both 2019 inductees into the Canadian Broadcast Industry Hall of Fame, Dean Blundell has now brought the mega duo together under the banner of his podcast network, where they aim to revive the edgy style they built their careers on without the limitations of terrestrial radio. On this episode of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast, we welcome Brother Jake and Jerry to talk about where radio has been, where it's headed, and why they're betting on podcasting. My name is Brother Jake Edwards, a.k.a. Sammy Lipschitz. That's my real name. I'm going to let that go right now. But started off in Boston, uh, went to a school there, called Leyland Powers, and uh, a lot of people from Canada were going there because, well, quite honestly, we couldn't get into Ryerson. We weren't smart enough. Uh, went down there and kind of, you know, started right there. Went to all these other stations as interns. Uh, you'd see guys like Howard Stone. Howard Stones, that's what we used to call them because, well, that's another story. But uh, Howard was there. A lot of guys were there. You'd see Arnie Woo Woo Ginsburg with all the sound effects he made with drums and cymbals and horns and stuff. And, and you know, you, this was 1972. Um, so I got out of there, basically headed uh, back to my hometown of Moncton, and then went into Bathurst, New Brunswick, uh, CKBC, uh, did the evening show there, which was one hour of French because I'm bilingual, one hour of country, and then I rocked till one o'clock and then sh shut the station down. I then started, I said, I'm only going to stay there for a year, which I did. Then I went to uh, New Glasgow and I spent a year there after I was fired abruptly. Um, and that's another story I won't get into, but uh, that kind of set me, a, set me back. Then I headed to Sydney, Cape Breton, where I stayed for two years. Uh, Basically, somebody had a seed of marijuana that grew out of a garbage bag and the RCMP showed up. And, you know, next thing you know, I was I was off to uh, court and decided, you know what? I think I'm going to get out of this town. So I did. Headed back to Moncton. Turned down a job at uh, CJCH in Halifax. Went to Moncton. Spent a couple of years there. Won the AM, best AM jock, rock jock, evening jock competition. They had them back there in 77. I thought, okay, maybe, you know, maybe I'll make this thing work. And Gary Obie, who is known as Magic Christian, he is a guy that was just riding through town. I was on the show in the evening, and I got a call on the hit line. He said, hey, man, 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 it's Gary Obie. Uh, we're doing a new station in Winnipeg called City FM. I want you to be part of it. I said, well, geez, uh, you know, he said, you're either a screwed up jock from Chicago or you don't know how good you are. And I went, well, I've never been to Chicago. And next thing you know, I was in Winnipeg. And I remember getting to Winnipeg there. The first 
time I jumped off a plane. And back there in Winnipeg, of course, it was you didn't walk through heated corridors. You came off the you know up the stairs onto the cold tarmac, and I think it was minus forty two. I had a bit of a cold. I remember my nose slamming shut, and I went to Gary's. Come on, man! I got the truck outside. Let's go. So you know, there's this ninety two city FM trick truck, and we got in, and he had Jimi Hendrix. You know, down out, down out, down out. I'm going, okay, this is it, because FM just started to turn the corner there, and this was uh, 78, uh, and, you know, did the morning show there. Uh, from there, I basically went back to Halifax to open up a radio station, wrote the license, got together with Gary. We didn't get the license, so the owner of the, of the radio station, Arnie Patterson, said, well, look, you didn't get the license anyway. I know you want to come back to Halifax. I know you want to rock this place out. Do you want to take it on? Do you want to be the program director, morning man? I went, let's do it. So I stayed there for two years, and then Gary Slate hired me to go to Toronto. I was there. I replaced Scruff Connors at that point, our buddy Jeff, and stayed there for a short two years. Uh, was fired after I did WrestleMania two. I remember that. I was on stage with 75,000 people. You know, how you doing? <sighs> I went to Gene Bolitis with my partner back then. This is fantastic. Oh, my God. Then I go home. He said, I got to talk to you. Fired. Then went to Winnipeg for the second time when I came back. So uh, it was the uh, work for KISS FM there. Opened up another station. I was a program director there and the morning guy. And did that for a bunch of years. And then all of a sudden, they got me back into Toronto. And Scruff came from Toronto to go to Winnipeg. It was kind of like an exchange student program. He decided he was going to live in my house in Winnipeg with my wife for two weeks. And Lori kept calling, please get this asshole out of the house. Well, he just bought the house, honey. I I don't think we can. No, he's got to go. Uh, Anyway, he did eventually. We got Lori back to Toronto. And then from Toronto, you know, after doing the champ skit on the radio for many years, uh, this guy, this animator, said, I'm going to animate the champ, come out to Vancouver. And I went, okay, why not? So we took what little money we had, we took off and came to Vancouver, and uh, we got the champ cartoon animated, went down to Culver City Fox Network down there, looked at it at the 11th hour, they decided they weren't going to run it. Uh, And then not that long after Family Guy came out, which was kind of the same premise. And if you look at the original champ cartoon, you can see There's quite a bit of resemblance going on there. That's another story for another time. But anyway, the weekends, Lori said to me, we have to do something right now. We've run out of money. I said, well, well, how long have we got? She said, we've got till Friday. (laughs) I went, okay, well, all right. Um, So I basically went to Fox here in Vancouver, and I went to Rock 101. And... Jerry Forbes' brother, I think by the name of Gord Forbes, that's, I think that's his brother, said, we don't need no brother Jake around here. And uh, I got kiboshed there, went over to Rock 101 and started doing weekend mornings, uh, Saturday and Sunday, and, and was very happy to do that. People kept saying, well, you were a morning guy. Like, what, what are you doing? I said, no problem. Let's just start there. I went to afternoons and then to mornings. And then, you know, we won uh, a bunch of awards, uh, Personality of the Year, National Personality of the Year, three times. It's been a dream, really. I have to say it's been a dream, honest to God, and fantastic. I'm here now. 
and I'm podcasting. Can you believe it? My name's uh, Gerald David Mulligan Clancy Overlander Hoppenhoff Forbes III. Not a good radio name, so we just changed it to Jerry Forbes. And uh, I learned my trade. You're going to love this. Sitting in the basement with two uh, turntables and 45 records that my father would send me and a microphone into a cassette recorder. That was my official training. So I did that for two years uh, during high school and thought that, uh, you know what, I, I wouldn't mind giving this radio thing a crack. So I went out to Edmonton where my dad was living and uh, he ran 630 Chet. It was the top radio station in Western Canada that had uh, numbers uh, that eclipsed the population of the city. They had a cum of over 659,000. The city only had about 580,000 in Edmonton at the time. That's how successful that radio station was. So I got to hang out with guys like Bob McCord, a great guy who came up from Texas and California, Wes Montgomery, a radio legend, Chuck Chandler, Denny O'Neill, who later became Bob McGee, and all those people uh, took me under their wing and taught me how to become a radio guy. So I went back to Toronto, kept my little cassette recorder going, and uh, tried to put together some tapes, and obviously it was horrible. Uh, so we used some nepotism to get into radio, and my dad made a call out to a friend, John Skelly, at CHNL in, uh, in Kamloops, and he had a network of radio stations. And uh, lied through my teeth to say that I knew how to operate a board, which was actually a cassette recorder. And flew all the way out and missed my high school prom. Had all my buddies saying they're having a great time with my girlfriend. As I was sitting in the Dome Motel in, uh, in, in, in beautiful Kamloops. And uh, went in, of course, sat down, saw the board, and I didn't have a clue. So the guy that was teaching me, Al Chapel, I got, I got a level with you. I've never worked a board in my life. So I had to learn on the go on my first night. I learned how to work the board at CHNL. Managed to make it through the shift. It was horrible. The Kamloops at that point probably had a population of 16. And I lived in a shithole apartment where you had to, it was so little you had to go outside the front door to change your mind. It was just a dump. So uh, I wanted to get out of there. I was at CHNL. I thank everybody there because I didn't know shit when I, when I got there. But they taught me a lot. And I was out of there in eight months. And got a job at CHAM in Hamilton, at CHAM Hamilton. Uh, worked there for a couple of years and then um, got out of radio. I had an offer to go to IBM because I was, uh, I scholastically, I did well in school. And went and worked for IBM for eight months and then realized it made a huge mistake. So I thought, you know what, I, I got uh, to get back into radio. And obviously, with the little, um, you know, little time I'd spent in radio, there wasn't a whole lot of people biting so I worked one day at CHIC Radio for the Nielsen Brothers, and they were full-blown crazy. It was just, it was such a badly run operation that uh, I worked one day and then quit. And then I, uh, I had a couple of tapes that I had from Cham, and I sent them off to, uh, to CFTR, thinking I'd never get a response. And sure enough, I got a call from Les Soul, and he hired me to do the all-night show at CFTR. And I did the all night show at CFTR for about a year, and then uh, they realized that uh, maybe the student I was working hard, so they moved me up, and I did weekend mornings. And then from uh, weekend mornings, I moved to six to nine at night. Uh, and uh, at that point, I thought I'd accomplished all I could at CFTR, so I had an offer to go over to a talk station called CJCL that Jim Brady was running, and uh, it was an interesting radio station. But I worked there for about a year, learned a little bit of talk radio. 
And then I left there and uh, we didn't have the internet at this point. Remember way back when there was no internet, there was nothing. So I had an idea to do my own little internet. So what I did was I scoured every single newspaper, every uh, entertainment book, newspapers from all across the country, anything, news feeds, anything I could find, joke books. And I would put together a uh, preparation sheet for the guys on Chum because everybody on the air at that time was American and I wasn't going to crack the lineup. But because I'd come up with that idea where these people could walk in, sit down in front of a microphone and they'd have their whole the whole history of everything laid out in front of them of what's been happening over the past couple of days. Then Bob Wood said, you know what? After seeing what you've done here, this is fantastic. I'm going to throw you on the air and see what you sound like. So uh, he put me on, on the air overnight. And uh, Roger Ashby was just starting to work at Chum FM. And he drove in and heard me. And he said, you know, you should give that kid another shot because he's actually pretty good. And then I moved from all nights to middays at Chum. Uh, replaced the legend Terry Steele, which killed me because he was such a great guy. So I t took Terry's job, and uh, Terry went on to CKEY. But then from that point, Don Percy wasn't doing well in the morning. Super nice guy, super great radio guy, but just didn't seem to be cracking it in Toronto. So I said, give me a shot at the morning show. Jim Waters said, you know what? I don't think you're ready. And I said, probably not, but it's probably as good as what you got now. Give me a shot. I work, I'll work my ass off. So I got the morning show Chum and uh, stayed there for about three and a half years. I uh, had a great time at Chum. And then I got an offer from CKFM 99.9, which later became Virgin. Sorry, which later became The Mix and then Virgin. And I did mornings there with Mike Richards. And uh, I thought we had a pretty funny show. The problem was my brother was the program director. And when he left, I think Gary Slate was pretty pissed off at my brother not really impressed with uh, with what I was doing on the air. So Gary fired me. Uh, and then I, I left there. Couldn't find a job in Toronto because I'd worked at a bunch of stations there. And my 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 little catalog was growing a little smaller to find a place to work. So on the way home from getting fired, I had an offer to go out to Vancouver to uh, talk to two stations out there. And I had an offer to come out here to Calgary and uh, work for Light 96, which was uh, CHFM. I uh, didn't even make it to Vancouver. They flew in to see me. I talked to them, and then I came to Calgary, and I liked it so much here, I decided to stay. So I worked on CHFM for uh, two and a half years, and then I got a call from CHQR with an amazing offer to go over there and do sort of a talk variety show in the morning. And then I worked at CHQR for about a year and a half, two years, and um, ended up wanting to go up to the Bear in Edmonton because I wanted to uh, learn the style of radio more suited to what, what I wanted to do, more suited to my talent. And I always thought that I could never achieve what I wanted to do unless I could do that type of radio. And if I did get a shot at it, I would kill it. So they hired me up at the Bear, trained under a great guy, Eric Samuels, who was really, really tough on me, but made me a great radio announcer. And then uh, came down to CJ92 and spent uh, close to 26 years there and just retired two years ago and went into the Hall of Fame with Jake. <laughs> yeah. God, we have got similar careers. That's for damn sure. Mm. Holy Christ. That's amazing. So you retired in 2018, Jerry, and you in 2019, Jake. Mm -hmm. Has has retirement been all it's cracked up to be? Where did the idea for the podcast start? Well, I think we were just kind of thrown on with 
Dean Blundell. You know, he kind of got me back. Uh, you know, he said, "Let's do, let's do a show." So I went on, and all of a sudden, Jerry got on, I think, and and did something with Dean, and Dean kind of hooked both of us together. And I really hadn't worked with with uh, Jerry, although I've been a fan for a long time. And all of a sudden, I you know, I get a chance to go on with Jerry Forbes, Jake Edwards. It just sounded like a great thing. Podcasting to me is a little different than being on the radio. And I can only, you know, just trying to figure out all the computer stuff. And I think Jerry's the same way. <laughs> you know, we're just kind of, you know, we're just kind of thumbing through it, trying to get through it. But I think the interesting thing is when uh, the numbers came back on our very first show, I think, uh, I think Dean said it was something like a thousand people uh, stayed for 54 minutes. And I'm going, well, that's kind of, that kind of sucks. And he said, no, because normally when you do these podcasts, people don't really stay for the whole interview. They just kind of drift off. And then it's, a, you know, it's the, the hits and views that you get after that. So I don't know. I think I'm, I'm learning to love it. It's strange talking into a screen and then doing the visual part. This is easy because it's all audio. But uh, doing the visual part is a little different for me. But I, I'm, I'm starting to realize that, you know, maybe I should be behind the microphone. Now, that may change uh, as Jerry and I go together and we hit a wall and we decided we're not going to do this anymore. But I, I think uh, I think we're pretty excited about what's going to happen here. Yeah, it came, it came down to the way what happened was uh, Dean uh, was having a few guests on. He said, geez, I'd sure like to get on two of the guys that I admire. So he had me on and he had Jake on within two weeks of each other. And I guess the numbers that they had for those podcasts smashed anything they had done before. And he thought, geez, what if I put those two guys together and see what they sound like? So we went on Blundell's, uh, we went on Blundell's uh, podcast and the three of us just about choked to death laughing. And he said, <laughs> you know, maybe we got something here. And then he hooked me up with Jake and, uh, and uh, we got a great producer out of Toronto. And uh, we get together and prep it like a radio show. Jake has different talents than I have. I have different talents than he has. And, you know, I'll send a, uh, I'm very organized, so I, and, and Jake's just like he, he off the cuff. So I, I'll send the lineup for the show to the guy in Toronto. I'll send pictures that'll go along with it, videos that'll go along with it. And then uh, Jake sends his stuff. We haven't even seen or heard it. And we just basically do a radio show here on the old computer. Right. So you've dropped the first episode, which which is basically a lot of stories from your decades in radio, but it's very raw and very loose. You're recording this live every Wednesday and Dean is essentially acting as your op. Yeah, he was on the first one. That's because our guy was away and he wanted to hear it. But we have a great producer in Toronto named Rookie and uh, he'll be putting everything together. Dean's going to step back as the executive producer. And um, just let Jake and I fly. And you're right, it's as raw as it gets. But this is what people are missing on radio nowadays because you can't do anything. The cancel culture will kill you. There'll be some sponsor get you fired. So we have no boss. Uh, and we can just let's it, the stories are good because they're real and they're raw and they're true and they're funny. And, and it's not going to be for everybody, but for people that miss good old time radio and some great entertainment and sitting around the campfire stories of, Two of the guys you heard on the radio for the last, you know, 40 years, you're not going to be able to beat it. So the style of radio that you did 
as you mentioned, doesn't really exist in the way that it did in the 70s through the 90s, let's say. And I think there's a question about whether there's a place for that kind of edge now. And and I mean, you know, even Howard Stern has mellowed with age. And I think you can say the same thing about, about Dean Blundell himself. But you mentioned to me in a conversation earlier, Jake, that you you kind of want to bring those greatest hits that you both built a career on into 2021. Yeah, that's that's a good point. You know, I think that all the stuff that we did, it's like a classic rock station. You know, you, you bring a classic rock tune on, you've heard it a million times, but, you know, people still want to hear that. That's not to say that Jerry and I are not going to get into what's happening you know, recently, like that butthole that was uh, strapped to the seat and and duct tape to his to his mouth and standing on the seat on that Frontier Airlines uh, thing. That those are things that we're going to talk about. I think that I want to is to progress into that. I mean, we've got so many hits from the past, and thank God Jerry saved a lot of his stuff because I saved absolutely nothing. I've got to find people that have my stuff hidden somewhere. And go, hey, you remember that bit we did when we called to tell the guy that his barn was on fire? And, he, you know, those kinds of things. When I was locked in the sauna, called the sauna company. All those crazy calls, they, they were fun. And Jerry is the master at those things. And, God, that uh, I don't know if you heard the episode of him tattooing that six-month-old baby on the air for an April Fool's. I mean, I had more people come up to me and say that was the craziest thing I've ever heard. So there's a lot of people nowadays that haven't heard any of that. Is there an appetite for it? There's always an appetite for it. There's always going to be an appetite for it. Whether you're sitting around going, hey, I really like that stuff, or secretly going, you know, that's pretty funny. At one call, at one of the, uh, I was reading some of the, the mentions, people were going, what a bunch of senseless comedy. And then dot, 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 but really funny. Yeah. <laughs> you read that one? Yes, <laughs> I know. You know what I, I think that uh, yeah, but like like Jake said, we're gonna get into stuff that's going on too because there's so many there's so much craziness out there right now. It's so easy to make fun of, but just to play some of the greatest hits from years gone by that people can't do anymore. You know, on radio you can't you can't really have an opinion anymore. Uh, you even listen to the talk stations and they're gonna talk more about recipes and and uh, politics. People are sick of it, and I think people just need a good laugh, and that's what we're here to do. I agree, hundred percent. It's been mentioned before, but between you, do you know how many times you've each been written up by the CBSC? And and are you concerned? Like, do non-disclosure agreements have a shelf life? That's what I'd be asking if I were some of the radio people out there concerned about you know stories that might come up. Well, I've never signed one, so I'm good there. Um, and the stories are true, so. Uh, if you want to try and sue us for the truth, then we have defamation lawyers, so that's not a problem. And and the like I said, the stories are real. These are all things that happen to us. Hundred percent. I think that's what makes the show interesting, and I think that's what makes people tune in because you're just not going to find this anywhere else. You may find it on a Bill Burr comedy special or something you find <laughs> on Netflix, but when it goes to radio, I mean, this will be it. I think part of the reason you two resonate with so many people is because you spent time in all of these different markets from Halifax to Winnipeg, to Toronto, to Calgary, to Vancouver. My first memory of Jake is the, you got it park Pontiac spots oh, that aired 
in Winnipeg in the eighties, which you, you talk about, about that, that sponsorship in the, in the first episode. But I mean, Dean, you know, chimes in that he was, he was a 19 year old in Calgary when he heard some of Jerry's material. I think people have really fond memories of, of that heyday of radio. I think ZZ Top probably said it best, Jerry. We're bad and we're nationwide. <laughs> you know, because you're right. And, and I think Jerry will agree with me that in each city that we go to, you have to kind of get a feel for the city. Nothing worse than going into a, uh, a town and calling the street name uh, the, you know, the wrong name or going into town and all of a sudden you're, you're from Toronto and you're in Vancouver and you're talking about the Argonauts or, or the Maple Leafs. I mean, that that crap will go out pretty quickly. You've got to find out who the people are. And, and I think with the fact that you've gone from city to city to city to city, you develop that chameleon type of thing and staying true to your humor, you know, and uh, and I think that that's a, a great asset. You know, travel. I told the story, like, I told the story of going up to Edmonton where I knew they're going to hate me because I was from Calgary. You're immediately hated like, because of our sports teams and everything else. The two cities are always compared. So I had to go up there, like I said, and put a white tuxedo on. And I had an idea to get people to like me to have a dump truck full of shit put out front on the road, pour hot water on it, and then get hit by four by fours as they went by. So that those are not many people are going to do that. Jake did stuff, dumb stuff like that too, but that's funny stuff. And then when I came back to Calgary, I had to think of finding a way to be welcome back into Calgary after I was a trader and went to Edmonton. It's almost like being a hockey player uh, with a lot less money. But um, <laughs> you had to you had to endear yourself to both to both audiences and figure out a way to do that. I remember in Winnipeg when I first got the second time I got back there and they were running this contest, go see Phil Collins in England. So. I'm on the air, and this hermetically sealed envelope comes up to me. I had no, I didn't pick the name. All of a sudden, it's Greg Harrison. You just won the trip. I've decided to call him, and I'm going, Greg Harrison. Christ, that name sounds familiar. And it's my brother-in-law. Oh no! And, oh yeah! So that hit the front page of the paper, and he still to this day can't figure out why he didn't go to England because I wasn't there at the time, and it says no families allowed. And the contest rules, front page, you know, Jake gives trip to brother-in-law. It's all in the family. You know, oh, my God. And, you know, try to get out of that mess. You know what, Jake? There's another story like that where um, I was hosting the Calgary Stampede football games. And um, it was a halftime show thing. So Sport Check, the, the big chain, mm -hmm. was having a uh, putt to win thing. So if you could putt for 30, uh, 30 yards from the 30-yard line down to the goal line, and put a golf ball through a hole, you'd get $50,000. So they're filming this whole thing, and I go, you know, folks, it's simple as hell. So I put the ball down, I take one hand, I hit it with the putter, 30 yards right through. First time. <laughs> you think I got $50,000? No, not a penny. But I was on the, uh, the old TSN uh, play of the day. <laughs> So do you do you have thoughts on how this all might evolve? Like the the first episode included a few bits that Jake recorded at a party at Mike Reno's house. Yeah, pretty cool. This is this is your life in Vancouver, but you included a bit with Julia Garner who some people might recognize from Ozark. Are you thinking about having guests yeah. down the yes. road? Yes. Yes, why not? I've got a little button here that uh, on this Procaster 
Rode Procaster that goes right to my phone. And why wouldn't we have, say, Jeff Bridges, the dude, come on and just say, hi, I hope you guys are doing well. Do a couple of stories, you know. I partied with him quite a bit, and I know Jerry's partied with a lot of celebrities as well that have remained kind of friends. You know, it's that's the one good thing about being a personality. You do meet a lot of people. Uh, some people who you think are assholes turn out to be great people. Great people you think are great people turn out to be assholes. I mean, you usually find out, but, you know, when they give you your, their home number, why wouldn't you take advantage of that and say hi? Has anyone come back to you so far and been shocked at any of the stories that you've told? Like the veil has been, you know, lifted on the industry. Oh, you mean upset? Not not necessarily upset, but surprised. Like they didn't know what was going on behind the scenes like back in the day. Yeah, you know what? Nobody's said thus far. People have just like, holy crap. But like I said, the stories are true. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we haven't even just begun. I, we've got, we've got stories coming out the yinger of stuff that we've done over uh, over 40 years of radio. You know, when we first started, I was living in that crappy hotel. All I could afford was hot dogs, hot dogs and peanut butter. And then as we, as we, as we got better at what we did, we started making oodles of cash that you never thought you'd ever see. I didn't get into it make, to make money. But then when you figured out a way you could, you were certainly happy that you knew how to do it. And very few guys like Jake and I were able to pull that off. So we've been very, very fortunate. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And as far as lifting the veil off, I think people out there who are still alive and they're now thinking, what if those two guys had a podcast together? What do you think is going to happen? Do you think some stuff will come out? You're damn right. That's yeah. all I'm going to say. Yeah. You're damn right. And, uh, and it's like Jerry says, it's not bullshit if it's true. So not that we're going to go out and deliberately start hanging people. We're not going to do that. These are just stories that have happened in your career that some of them have led to firing. Some things you've done on the air that, you know, people aren't going to, you know, take that anymore. I I remember going one time I was at a gas station getting uh, here in Vancouver. And I mean, we were we were doing stuff that never have been. This is Lotus Land out here on the West Coast, as you know, Connie. This is just Lotus Land. And uh, I was at a Chevron station. I was filling up with gas. It was 4.30 in the morning going in for the morning show. And this guy looked at me, and you could tell this guy was now going to be the hand of God. And I I swear to God he was going for the car to get a gun. And I looked at him, and I just, you know, I got in the car and peeled out of there. He started yelling at me, oh, frickin' kill you. I'm going, okay, I'm not sure I got into radio for this. I'm not sure, like, you know, some people are, are taking this a little too serious, especially if you're broadcasting into a Bible belt uh, at times. It just gets, uh, you start to get you start to get a little afraid, you know, where you just want to do the show, get out of your box, go back home, you know, plan the next day. But, uh, you know, did, have you ever had a death threat, Jerry? Two, two or three. Yeah. And also threatened to kill my wife. Yeah. Um, terrible things. And, yeah. um yeah, I mean, and people that were stalking you, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I had, I, I know it's hard to believe, but I also had women stalkers that would wait for me and leave me gifts and stuff, and uh, it's been a, it's been a weird 42 years, but I wouldn't change anything, but yeah, no, I've definitely had death threats. Yeah, I had, uh, this one guy wrote a, a letter, a letter, wrote a letter, and my program director, Steve Parsons at the time, said, I think you better come and read this, and uh, I went over. 
And I started reading down. He said, every stone on this sidewalk is covered in your blood, your family's blood. They named my kids, named my wife. And uh, next thing you know, the RCMP are at the door. So I had a plainclothes guy follow me around to all the events because they thought this was going to happen. And I remember somebody coming over with a shooter. Hey, bro, have a shooter. So I went to grab it. All of a sudden, the RCMP hand grabbed my hand. He said, don't touch that. You know, I'd be going to the cannon at the urinal. There's a cop next to me having a, having a whiz alongside of me. I'm not leaving your side. Anyway, long story short, the guy uh, got on the right meds. They found out who it was, and he apologized. said, I was not in my right mind, and, uh, and that was a... That was a big relief there to my family and myself. I was, I was pretty scared. Do you think radio even has the potential to generate that kind of celebrity anymore? I'm really interested no. on your thoughts on, on the direction that the, that the industry is headed, considering that you've both been out of it now for a couple of Have years. Have you listened to it lately? <laughs> I mean, really, what's, what's there to get pissed off at when you're listening to Vanilla Milk Toast? Uh, you know, there's still a few guys that can still pull off some shows and say what they want to say, but, uh, you know, it's the culture's changed drastically. I, you know, terrestrial radio to me is, uh, I don't know if I'd ever get back into it. That's why podcasting, I think, is a little more appealing to my sense of humor. And, and I know Jerry's the same way, but this kind of gives us an outlet that is going to allow us to do this. Now, how far we can take this is yet to be determined, but I expect this thing to, I, I expect it to kind of be big. I really do. Yeah, unfortunately, Connie, radio now, and it's it's been uh, melted down into corporations. And I, the last one I worked for was the telephone company. And the person that, uh, that runs the telephone company sees your salary, and uh, they can't justify that. They go, can we get a 19-year-old a just out of school that will do that for, like, uh, say, $200,000 less? Let's get them. But this guy's had got big numbers. We play great music. I'm sure we do. We'll get some other 19-year-old, and we'll be able to keep the numbers. Well, it's it's killed. It's killed the numbers. It's killed radio stations. You watch the shares start to fall. You watch listenership start to fall. And it's because they're not training people anymore. Nobody gets to do an all-night show. You get out of uh, Sate or Nate, and you're immediately thrown on a radio station, and you you don't have a clue of what you're doing. And the conversation is inane and, and, and just shitty. And you'll maybe get two or three good people in a market. But other than that, it's just not worth listening to. You know, I'll, ex I'll expound off of that because there's a friend of mine who is a national program director for a company. I won't, won't say which one it is. But let's just say that, you know, they've had the bloodletting, as we like to call it. You know, there's a, there's a big meeting one day on a Friday. And the next Friday, everybody's let go. You know, where they're saying, hey, don't worry about it. We got your back. If anything ever happens and all of a sudden there's a bloodletting. Well, this person has said he cannot find any more of the talent out there to go into his radio stations because they've been let go. And these people are now doing podcasts. The, the, you know, there's a lot of great talent doing podcasts right now, which I think is exciting for this, this venue. I really do. I think things are going to really, really change. You know, it's funny. If you look at, if you look at the, uh, the, the pay scale, they're paying now what we were making back in the 70s, which is, to me, remarkable. I don't know how people live. Well, didn't we say that in the 70s? <laughs> That's right, yeah. I mean, like, you know, my, my mom and dad used to say, oh, son, are you sure? 
you're making the right decision. You know, uh, you know, your your brother-in-law here is working at a, a motorcycle shop, and they're yeah. winning, selling bikes, and going to going to the Bahamas and but stuff. At least there was a future, Jake. You could see if you worked your way up, you could make the dough, but it's just not there anymore. Yeah, I'm really interested to know what podcasts you're listening to. I like Mark Maron out of L.A. when he was doing, you know, out of the garage. I think that's what first got me excited about podcasting, because I think this guy can take any topic and ramble on about family, uh, his, his workplace, what he does, the neighbors, how he t- has taken a comedy show off the stage because he's a comedian. I never really paid that much attention to him. Uh, when he was a comedian, but then when he started podcasting and all the people like Connie, you asked me the question, what about having, you know, celebrities on? Well, you know, that's his big deal. Like they're announcing movies. He's got 12, 14 million people uh, listening to his podcast. I mean, that that's exciting. I don't don't ever expect to be in that, that, at that level, but certainly it's, uh, that's what got me motivated. I enjoy uh, Joe Rogan. Great podcast. There he's he always is. in trouble. That's why I like it. Barstool Sports is great. Bill Burr, I think he's hilarious. He's the best. I think that guy just doesn't give a shit, and uh, and he is so funny. He's the funniest comedian out there today. Love Bill Burr. Another thing I like to do is I subscribe to Howard Stern on uh, Facebook, so I get all the stuff uh, on Reels, and I can watch uh, a great clip in four or five minutes And when I don't have the time to say I'm driving my car or whatever. Any thoughts either of you want to close on? No, I, I hope I'd love to see radio. I'd love to see radio survive. Um, I'd love to see uh, people start getting trained again to actually, you know, be able to actually hone the craft and, and, and we get some talent that's uh, that's been trained properly through a small market, a medium market to a big market. I'd love to see all of that work. But I just think that as long as it's owned by big corporations, it's just going to deteriorate and you'll see it fall off the map. When you have podcasts and you've got Spotify in your car, uh, it's so much easier for people to spend an hour and a half driving to Canmore listening to a podcast because you can just bring it up through Apple CarPlay or uh, you know anything on your phone. And I just think you don't have commercials. You, you don't have um, music that you've heard 9,000 times. And sometimes I think people like the content between the records rather than the records themselves. So you could program your own music and have a great playlist. And when you want to hear guys talking, if you're interested in a great, tune into a podcast. Well, you know, when you talk about all the uh, the forums they had in Toronto, when you go for the Canadian Music Week, I was on a bunch of panels. And I think after the last time I was on there, they never invited me back. And I remember one program director getting up and saying, and we had, who else did we have on there? Uh, Jesse and Jean and uh, Scott Shannon from New York. And, and it, was, it was a big board big panel of people on there and and uh jeff woods stepped up and he stood up and he said why aren't there any more uh brother jakes and jerry forbes and why aren't the why, why what's happened to where where are these people and i stood up and i said well it's because of program directors who won't let these guys like jerry says hone their craft to to step out and find out what's behind the behind the veil like you know, be, being able to make a comment, a social comment or any comment and be funny as opposed to here's another 12 in a row 
and it's a really sunny day. I mean, anything that you, you know, I know Jerry can tell you that, you know, they call them air checks right after the show. Well, what made you go down this avenue? Well, I, I just thought it was interesting. That's why I went down that avenue. Well, it doesn't fit what we're doing. But that's what, you know, that's probably why I got fired a lot. But, um, you know, I just, I think that the you have to have somebody at the head of the table that has balls enough to let these personalities shine through. And where these personalities are going to start to shine through is going to be through podcasting. So you may see these younger people coming up and start starting to get real good. And that could that could be a big change. That could be the big shift. So where can people tune in to both your live every week and find the podcast? Uh, just about everywhere. Anywhere where podcasts are available. We're on uh, Stitcher. We're on um, Spotify. We're on uh, iTunes. We're on Apple. Almost everywhere. Amazon. Amazon also uh, will uh, be on Dean Blundell's channel too. Uh, and uh, once again, it'll, it'll be on YouTube. Thank you both so much for joining Thank me. Thank you. What a pleasure. Thank you, Connie. Thanks for listening to Broadcast Dialogue. For more information about the podcast or to receive exclusive access to our weekly briefing about the Canadian media industry, visit us at broadcastdialogue.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, connect with us on LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud. Looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness? Then check out the Natural Man Podcast. Join me, host Mike C, as we explore all areas of human wellness, physical, mental, and emotional. Learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health. Remember, your doctor works for you. Learn biohacks, neurohacks, ways to improve sleep, and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com.